Welcome to the Painting of the Week podcast, where we look at some of the most significant paintings throughout history. Introducing your hosts, Phil Grabsky and Laura Bentham. <laughs> Welcome to this week's Painting of the Week. Oh, and we are talking this week about a painting called The Courtyard of a House in Delft by Peter de Hutsch. Uh a Dutch name, as I'm sure you can tell. Um, 1658. But we're going to just take a slight tangent here. So, Laura. Yes. Tell me what might be your perfect day. <laughs> if, you ever, trip. if you ever get time off. Well, I was really hoping, I said this to you, I really was hoping that you were going to cancel which me. Which I never do, obviously. Of course not. Never. You're never busy. And I thought, if Phil cancels on me, I am going to see this painting in in the flesh and I was like right this is what I'm going to do and then I started thinking of the cost of living crisis that everyone's going through at the moment and how easy is it to go to see a painting in London just for the day on a complete whim and so I started working out a little budget and the train fare up there the cheapest I could get I think if I went on a Sunday actually I could have gone even cheaper it was £13 but I was I was on 27 and that was including I think if you go after 10 o'clock you can still get the 13 can you still get the 13 so there we are I hope so I was going to then take <laughs> two flasks with me with my coffee yeah and I was going to buy myself a packet of custard creams with 55p <laughs> Britain's favourite biscuit no less <laughs> or sometimes a bourbon Equally, uh, they're, uh, they're also on 55p. Creams. For those of you who are listening abroad, <laughs> and I know many of you are, the custard cream, if you come to this country and you don't know what a custard cream is, you really won't fit in. <laughs> it's basic. It is and, basic. And um, it's like bowing in Japan or, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's understanding the custard cream. The custard cream is pure sugar. Mm. It is like a square biscuit, two square biscuits with a kind of cream in the middle, <laughs> which they're suggesting is custard, but... Well, it's probably not, is it? Uh, and that has been... Anybody that's done exams, worked late in any building, <laughs> worked... In, I mean, it's just the biscuit that everyone eats. It just feels, though, that... I was just thinking, people say in, in, in the moment, is art necessary and all things like that? Mm. But actually... If you are feeling a bit down and mm. you're struggling to pay, mm. everything feels just closing in on you. I thought, wouldn't it actually be nice to go to the National Gallery and how cheaply could I do it mm. and go and see this painting but in, also, in the flesh and then obviously everything else is there. But also, <laughs> that's, I, I think that's, I've, I've said it before, I think it's a really good way of working with galleries is to target one painting. Yeah, and make a trip and actually then have a bit of fun, maybe on your own, maybe with somebody else, and actually do, which of course you do so well, but do a little bit of research first. And I mean, you can take it as far as you like, you, know, you could find, you could buy yourself a Dutch biscuit. Um, <laughs> have a Dutch day. Have a Dutch day. But I mean, it's, but going to, going, just targeting one picture, mm. which I guess is what we're doing on Painting of the Week to some extent. But it has actually, this doing Painting of the Week with you, mm. I mean, I've learned so much, Phil. And, and and actually, totally, I will always now focus on one painting. Mm. And then there will always be a bonus with other things. 
But some of the things I've ended up loving and liking, I didn't, I mean, I would never even, you know, I didn't really look at. Do you know what I learned the other day, which I didn't realise? The National Gallery in London, how many paintings do you think it owns? <laughs> uh, oh, OK, Just I'm going to get this wrong. Not to, put you on, not to put you on the spot. No, 6,000. And no, I'm way too short. So, so you think too short, so you think it might be 20,000? Now, let me go 12. I feel like I'm on Richard Osman now, House of Cards. 2,400. What? I know. I had no idea. No. I thought it was way more than that, because some galleries I've gone to have got, I mean, thousands and thousands, the majority of which are in stores that you right. never see. Mm. The National Gallery, because of its history, um, they've got endless masterpieces, but um, I guess they've just been very careful about what they've bought. Uh, all been bequeathed um, and accepted. And, uh, yeah, I thought I was quite surprised by that. Yeah, really? Because when you go to the National Gallery, there are dozens and dozens and dozens of paintings that you could target. And, of course, what's so interesting and so important to do is is not always to look at those artists whose names you know. So I would imagine that 95% of the people listening to this <laughs> will not have heard of Peter de Hutch. Um, but... You know, we've talked about the Dutch Golden Age before. There's this extraordinary moment in Dutch history where it is estimated, they call it the Dutch Golden Age, it's estimated that five million paintings were oh. were painted um, because due to its sea, you know, it's, it was a maritime power, it was very wealthy, people were building these beautiful houses. I was in Amsterdam last week. It is just stunning and in those houses, people wanted to put paintings. And again, because it wasn't a Catholic country, it wasn't Christian iconography, um, you know, Jesus on the cross, Mary doing this and that. It was um, much more the quotidian day-to-day life for Mir, famously. You know, his his women reading a letter, pouring milk. Yeah. Know, um, and that's kind of what we've got here, isn't it? When we look at this painting, and just to remind everybody, um, if you go to seventh-art.com, you can pull the picture up. Um, but also on some of the sites, um, like we even have, we have our own YouTube channel where you can listen and look at the picture, as well as all the normal podcast channels, Amazon, Spotify, whatever. I'm excited. I forget about the YouTube. <laughs> um, it's actually... It's, Amazing how many people contact us saying that they are watching the YouTube, which is, of course, just the painting, but it's... Um, <laughs> Maybe we should put some kind of little details into the paintings, Phil. It's still... Yeah, we should have... Funny eyes and stuff. <laughs> no, sorry. Gone too far. What I used to really love as a kid was when they used to run this competition. We had two identical pictures next to each other, but there were ten differences. Oh, I used to love no, that. No, I love all that. No, I do. I, st- my, I actually think I still like that now. My parents used to hold those things back for motorway journeys when we were <laughs> travelling between London and Manchester. That could occupy an hour mm. just trying to find it. So we could do that here. We could have the original and we could change something and see if anyone yeah. noticed. What is wrong? <laughs> Like the woman in the alleyway, we could have her with a hand to her ear, listening, you know, talking to a mobile phone. I think that would be brilliant for Christmas quizzes. I feel like you could do an exhibition on screen Christmas quiz. Hmm. Can I ask you a question, Phil? Have you have you been and seen this painting or been in front of this painting at all? I have, I, I have, but not for a while, actually. Mm. 
Oh, because that's the other thing you were saying, which is so important, is that the National Gallery is free. Mm. Um, it has to be said, though, it's it's ticketed, which is a bit, you know, it's not quite, you can't quite drop in in the same way as you used no. to. Um, but, you know, we were, again, in Amsterdam, we were going to go to a, um, it's called Mocha. Somebody had gone in there and said it was really good. And then three of us turned up to go in, but it was like 22 or 26 euros each. Yeah. And we just thought, you know what, that's really quite a lot of money. So at least the National is free. Mm. So this picture. Mm. Um, so the, there are Dutch masterpieces and there's, there are a lot of really fantastic Dutch artists Obviously, Vermeer and Rembrandt are the two most famous, but plenty of others. Peter de Hooch is one of them. And I think this is a really interesting painting. It was actually suggested by one of our listeners, but it's a very good choice. It's brilliant. Um, I love it. So, why do you love it? Well, <laughs> I think it's quite... OK, so I'm the whole painting, yes... But then I started getting into all of his others, of course. And I, I, I was just, they're, they're, they're kind of dreamlike. I, you know any idea of people say, oh, would you like to go on some kind of retreat and dress up and live in those times? When I looked at his paintings, I really thought, yes, I'd actually really like to go and hmm. live there, be in those times and just give it a couple of weeks of... The broom in the in the courtyard, mm. just sweeping up, just taking some time to do something really simple, and uh, it's just got such a lovely feel to it, so dreamlike to me. So what what is what is appealing then? Having less to do, yes, and more 100% time, percent less to do, <laughs> and more time to do it. Yes, yeah. It just it just you know the lady the the lady looking out onto the street. But he's got a few paintings that people are looking and, you know, must be pondering. And I'd, it looks like a really wonderful town to go and to go and be in. You see, as somebody who's recently suffered toothache, I can't get past the fact that, <laughs> you know, I could go to my dentist and get some antibiotics. And, <laughs> and then these days, if you had toothache, you had no choice but to whip it out. But we'd only be going there for a couple of weeks. I just think it would. Right, no, if you had know, a choice of going somewhere for a couple, couple of weeks, just a couple of weeks, yeah. it would just. I think it would be really lovely. But he he's quite often he was with Vermeer at the the same school, and um, they're quite often compared, aren't they? Uh, which is quite interesting, I think, because I'd never <laughs> surprised everybody. I'd never heard of him, of course. Oh, I mean, I'd... and then uh, and then and then of course. I don't suppose people like the fact that they're compared, mm. but you can't help but compare them. I think what's particularly interesting about this painting is that it is, it's it's quite a jumble, actually. Mm. And it's quite, you know, sometimes, well, quite often we talk about how the artist is controlling your eye, dry, you know, leading you through a specific narrative. This is This is at least two narratives... And then there's the particular attention to the the architecture and the brickwork. I mean, yeah. having just made a film about Hopper, this this artist De Hutch has equal, you know, paid equal attention to 
you know, I can imagine him doing this painting without people in it. Yeah. He's so interested in the way the door hangs, the way the the bricks uh, uh, relate to one another and the, the floor tiles and the light on the flagstones. And I mean... But it's actually like, there's actually two heart. It's almost cut in half. But then it's almost cut in half. It's almost... If it wasn't for the tiles at the bottom, you'd almost it almost could be two paintings just kind of bolted together. Yeah, he has got another painting called Drinkers in the Bower, and that is almost identical. All right, uh, but the cobblestones are really different and um, differently laid out, and it's just the way he cuts them in half to look like they almost look like two different paintings. Mm. But um, I, I don't know. I really like his work. I really think it's wonderful. I mean, I guess in those... Well, of course, in those days, behind the door to the main street, you need to come through into a courtyard, and there probably would have been three, four, five families living there. That yeah. Was, that was very common. Have you actually been there, Delft? Delft, yeah, yeah. Because uh, Vermeer did yeah. that really lovely painting, The View of Delft. Yeah, oh, it's fantastic. Which... Just makes anyone, I mean, anyone would want to go there. Yeah. Cost a bit more than the train fare. I mean, I mean, it, the, even last week going to Amsterdam, it's so extraordinary. It's only, what, 200 miles or something from here? Yeah. 300 kilometres, mm. whatever. But it couldn't be more different. Between, no. In this, well, we're in Brighton, but the comparison between London and Amsterdam is one of the things that I know people from abroad, like from the United States... It is so striking how different a city can be within, for them, a really narrow range. Yeah. Whereas in the United States, places, with some exceptions, but pretty much look the same across thousands of miles. Here, think of that triangle of, of think you know, Paris, Amsterdam, London, are so mm. different. Mm. Yeah. But Amsterdam, very, you know, you get on the train, you're, within an hour you're in Delft... The Hague is another place to visit because it's... it's um... Has it changed much, though, Delft? Um, I think that the... Much of it... I mean, yeah, some things have, but much of it hasn't, actually. You'd still recognise it. From the Vermeer, like, from yeah. the Vermeer painting? So, for example, the view of Delft by Vermeer, we, mm. we, we went and found the spot where mm. he stood. And in, in our Vermeer film, we did a transition from how it looks today to the painting. And there are one or two buildings that are slightly changed and there's one or two things that he deliberately altered um but pretty much it's the same, same. yeah it's interesting it's really interesting because uh, he doesn't focus on buildings so much at all for me he's he's much more on the person interiors portraits yeah, yeah. what's what 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 one of the things i i find quite interesting about this painting is is and i don't really know quite the point but if you look at the brickwork on the left mm. it it seems very nicely rendered and very well done with the red bricks at the corner and the on the right hand side it all looks a bit <laughs> tatty yeah and and a bit worn out um a bit of patchwork going on so that's kind of interesting but, but still but still neat still not too tatty mm. don't you feel like the whole town <laughs> Would be, you know, even the tatty bits still don't look too rough. 
those cobbles and it just looks so I really really love it maybe it's them you know I always like looking for things for quilting as you know I love a quilt and uh, yeah I just really like looking at those cobbles and the bricks and and it just it does look so neat I mean he hasn't put anything really except for the broom on that courtyard there's nothing really not a weed coming through (laughs) Well, like my drive. <laughs> although he has, he, is, he does deliberately introduce nature, doesn't he? Yeah. Bottom right, top right, top mm. left. There's all a little bit of vine coming in, some bushes, everything in its place. Um, I'm a little confused by what's on the right-hand side, what's in that, uh, whether that's earth or... Uh, first... At first, I wondered if that was a little fire going on, but actually, I just, I actually just think it's um, slightly damaged wall, that kind of grey smudging. Um, He's got a lot of doors going on, hasn't he? A lot of doors. Doors, one coming out yeah, from the one, yeah. assuming it's a garden. Yeah. He's definitely playing with... Actually, if you look, there's one... Well, that's a window, two doors, three doors, across the way. And I would imagine, having been to Delft... You can't really tell, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's a canal between the woman uh, looking out the doorway and, and the and side. the window the other side. Yeah. Is it full of canals? Full, yeah. Oh. Is that where they did the pottery? Yeah. Blue and white pottery? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, yeah. I really want to go there then. I, mean, it, I just really love I just I really like this painting. I really, really do. I just think it's quite crisp. It doesn't have... It's not, it's not blurry, is it, at all. It's very... It's just so neat, which I don't think... Would I, would I thought I would have liked so much, but looking at it now all week, which is why I was quite keen to go and see it real this time and say, oh, I've been to see one. <laughs> but um, I will get there, for sure. But it is funny that he, he's always compared to Vermeer which I've ended up looking at as well. And he's just, this just seems so nut, like crisp and neat. I don't know, do you feel that Vermeer would be similar or do, would you not compare them? Well, the difference, difference for me is that, for example, in, in Vermeer's work, well, to give you one example, there's only one child that turns up in his 35 paintings, I think it is. Well, that's amazing because he had quite a few children himself, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. Well, well, I suppose the girl in the pearl earring could be considered to be a child. But, I mean, she's a young woman, really. Mm. Um, pretty much his paintings are either single characters or occasionally two people. This this already looks too busy to be a Vermeer for me. Yeah. Okay. Um, I also think Vermeer, there tends to be a... It's more his paintings, broadly speaking, tend to be have a clearer narrative, a bit more singular, a little less busy. You can see in some of Vermeer's works where he's actually initially done some stuff in the on the back wall and then decided that's just making it all too active and right. so he, and he paints over it. Yeah. There is a sense here of an of an artist who's re, who really enjoys trying to cram in as much detail as possible. I mean, if you look at the stone or the tablet, particularly a tablet, a plaque, um, 
above the doorway. I mean, that's very detailed. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's funny, isn't it, really, how detailed it is because of you, you've just done Hopper and some of his paintings, I mean, some of them are quite bare mm. in comparison. Hopper's very interesting because the near focus is very carefully rendered and sharp. But if you look carefully at the background, yeah, it, deliberately he's done the. He often does blocks of colour. It's quite, it's quite actually quite modern, mm. and a little bit less distinct. You still know it's a a building or a back wall or a. Um, again, there's no depth of field here. Really, everything's in focus. You know, as a photographer, this would be actually quite hard to capture this. You'd have, you'd have to be, have to be a bright sunny day. You need quite a lot of light, and yeah, it's unsure where that light's coming from, actually. Yeah, well, yeah. You'd need a wide-angle lens, <laughs> which, of course, would give you. I mean, wouldn't give you this perspective. But you know, the tiles are in focus in the foreground, and the window and the fence in the background are in focus, and that's actually pretty tricky. One of the greatest films ever made, Citizen Kane. So Orson Welles and Greg Toland, the cinematographer, they spent a long time developing lenses that could get very large depth of field so that something could be in focus near the frame as well as in the distance. It's not easy to do. And to some extent, I think that's what partially makes this painting a bit confusing to look at. Because your eye is kind of flitting about a little bit. That broom is sharp. And you look at the broom and then you look at that fence, which is sharp. And then you, even, the, even the kind of colours on the post and the, the woman in red and black kind of gazing out the window. But they're, they're, I just think they're... Yeah, out the doorway, The faces are beautiful on, the, on the, the child and the, and the woman looking at the child. Yeah. They're really, really beautiful. But at the time... Um, the telescope, as they were saying, was had sort of just been a bit earlier. Yeah. But around their time had been invented, so maybe they he was trying to sort of play a little bit. Then maybe they were interested as artists. With, I mean, wasn't Vermeer interested in sort of like angles and sort of potentially camera? lenses and cameras and things like that. That's a theory, mm. that he did things using lenses and mirrors. Mm. I'm, I I don't buy it myself, but... But even um, if he did, is, it, is that such a bad thing? Well, people have, or people would be really funny about that. I don't think it's a bad thing, but I think some. I think with Vermeer, it's almost... It's partially, people think it, it's slightly undermining his genius, really, because they're saying, oh, well, okay. he, he can't have done it unless he had cameras and mirrors. It's too, too, it's too good. Mm. But actually, mm-hmm. his perspectives are, aren't right. He's playing with perspective, mm. so... They must have been interested, though, at the time, as an artist. Yeah. To know yeah. that's been invented, you would be interested to... I don't know whether you'd be able to get hold of anything, I don't know, but, you know... But I think it's also, that with this painting, you know, they, these are commercial painters, so he's also thinking, um, you know, who's going to buy a painting like this? Who's going to put it on their wall? Mm. So that's why I think there's a sense of, you know, you've got your new house by the canal. 
And this is quite a nice painting to hang, isn't it? Yeah. It brings a little bit of greenery inside the house. It's got a little bit of life with people. You could think that the mother and child that she's just made looks pretty much like they've just made a pie. The kiddies helped, maybe licked the wooden spoon. And so they're off now to bring that to the dinner table. And the woman at the door maybe is waiting for a guest. I mean, it, it could be interpreted as a very nice domestic scene, which would be quite nice to have in your yeah on your corridor wall. I think so. I like the child's face as well. Yeah. Which is, I think that's why I was thinking about it all looks so perfect to go back to that scene and think to yourself, okay, I'd like to mm. spend two weeks in Delft. Baking pies. Baking pies. Sweeping tiles. Definitely sweeping tiles. I like sweeping. Receiving guests <laughs> at the door. <laughs> Looking at canals. Yeah. And pottery. And then I just think it was it just looks it looks just dreamlike. It looks it looks like Laurie, you need a day off. <laughs> I think I do. You need some time off. <laughs> Coffee and custard creams. <laughs> um <laughs> stop looking at paintings and imagining too many like because you could have the tag, you know you could have the rent collector come in you could have yes yeah, true the, you know you could get the pox Spanish like, armies might come through that's true and the toothache mind you they didn't have they wouldn't be suffering from climate change like we no, are no I mean that, <laughs> no they, there are certain politicians <laughs> that we won't name that they would never have heard of <laughs> lucky them oh um, no it, it, it's a lovely painting and uh I mean, it's quite sad. He and then his wife died, and then his painting got his work got a bit darker. And but he ended up dying in an asylum. Did he? Mm. I didn't know that. Yeah. And uh, so, what have you? What have you found about, about only, him? Mainly that, really, and that him and Vermeer were together in that in the school, and that's why a lot of the time, the gilding, the painters' gilding, get in Delft, that they were quite often compared to each other. Hmm. Um, and I suspect now they, they, I'm sure they, they, they was respected each other because obviously then I don't know did, did Vermeer so he, so he's was he popular at the time of his life or no did he only get popular? Well, there is there is a belief that possibly he stayed in Delft mm. and that he had one particular client which was a oh, okay baker was it or butcher I should remember um, but anyway okay but, okay so. Uh, yeah, so then no, they learned that. And actually, became increasingly popular as as the decades went past after his death. Right. Vermeer had more children than. He did. Duke. He did. He had yeah. 11. Yeah. And. Uh, Didn't two die? Okay. Well, yeah. But anyway, still. Yeah. 11. So, yeah, he died in asylum in 1684. And I think the death of his wife kind of. Hmm. Started things got darker. His paintings got darker. But she says she's died after sixteen fifty eight, which is a shame because I well, I just think this painting is such a lovely painting. It's hmm. a warm painting. If you look down bottom left, by the way, everybody, I'm sure most of you've seen it, but there's his signature. Artists by this point are quite happy to sign themselves off. PDH, sixteen fifty eight. They're not signing their work before. Well, for hundreds and hundreds of years, they're just craftspeople. Right. So they don't sign their names and they wouldn't have been allowed to sign their names. They are... Um, and, and 
you know, we've talked about composers, but this the transition. So the four films I've made, Haydn to Mozart to Beethoven to Chopin, in that period of just over a century, you go on this extraordinary journey from Haydn, who's dressed in the livery of his prince, of Esterhazy. Ultimately, he works for four of them um, because they die one by one. And, um, but he's dressed in their servants and he would go to their office on a Monday morning and they'd say, write us a symphony. Got some people coming for dinner on Saturday. <laughs> so he was a servant. <laughs> Next you have Mozart. Mozart also was a servant of the archbishop and then the emperor and was also expected to wear a certain uniform. But he, start, he started to rail against it. And on one particular trip, when he was told he would be sitting downstairs with the cooks, yeah. not upstairs with the, with the gentleman, he had a fit and actually got kicked out. The famous incident where he gets kicked out on his ass. Um, but but he he starts the move towards artists having their own independent careers with their own name. Not the first. I mean, obviously with Leonardo, Michelangelo, um, you know these these are already big names using their first names only. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's already got, you got the cult of the artist. But Beethoven then. Again, he has to do what the emperor tells him, but he actually is quite cheeky. The emperor will say, you need to come and give some piano lessons to this bishop that's coming through from Rome. And Beethoven would say, oh, I can't, my head hurts. You know, I'm sick, I can't. <laughs> but, but by, and then by the time he gets to Chopin, it's, it's all about, you know, he only gives 30 concerts in his entire life. Mm-hmm. He would never wear the uniform of anybody else. Right. He is now the singular, you know, the beginning of the romantic period where it's expressing your inner emotions, which is something Haydn kind of does. His music's very beautiful, but he, he wouldn't have really thought like that. Um, so same, same, same transition goes with artists. Um, the beginning of the cult of the artist kind of happens in the Renaissance, I would say. They could actually be themselves. And, and the reason all that's important is mm. that Peter de Hutch is undoubtedly painting this with a view to selling it. Mm. I don't know its history. I don't know if it was a commission or whether he um, painted it <laughs> and then went and sold it. Um, but um, it's unlikely to have been a commission. So, so probably he spent a great deal of time painting it, knowing that there's a market for this type of thing probably including certain elements because he knows that makes them more appealing to sell. Um, Well, he did quite well, for sure. But not as well as Vermeer. Yeah. No, no, no. Until his wife died. Mm. But there we are. Very interesting. So you're off to the National Gallery (laughs) and I'm off to find myself some Dutch biscuits. (laughs) For a Dutch day. Right. Until next week. (laughs) Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Painting of the Week podcast. For more information, please visit our website at 7th-art.com or contact us by emailing info at 7th-art.com. See you next time.